Hey everybody, welcome back to week seven. Let's do it. Seven, seven, seven. Wow. I mean, we are getting old as a show, right? <laughs> we got to keep there the magic go. alive soon. We're going to be, uh, yeah, we're going to I busted in with my let's like do it. Married couple here. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. It was in honor of Tone Loke. Honor of Tone Loke, yes. If we got a chance to go this last Sunday to uh, We Love the 90s concert. Yes, Tone Loke. Yes, I did Young love MC, it the next morning. I Rob was, Bass. I was tired. <laughs> um, all for one and vanilla ice. Vanilla ice. That's right, ice, baby. It was a. Uh, it was pretty pretty legit. It was it right? was fun. Legit. It was super it was fun. Too legit to quit. Maybe. Well, somebody did dress up like MC Hammer, but that's a whole yes. different story. We won't even begin to talk about the. You really would have loved the. Uh, I think they the thought it was an year. outfit, but it was really more of like a costume. People thought they were. Yeah. Outfits. I don't know. I think but. everybody. They were definitely costumes. Yeah, it was to fun, me. But yeah, a lot, a lot of, lot of cool, uh, cool music and very nostalgic for sure. Music it I was. grew up listening to. It's kind of when I loved rap. Uh, not didn't you know? Kind of lost my love for it over the years. But you know, I grew up in the late eighties, nineties, listening to that kind of stuff. So it was it was a lot of fun to to reminisce, to go to back, relive to go way back, junior high, high school, yeah, like that kind of, yeah, it was super fun. So I have the a, 90s. Yeah, it, it was, it was, okay. I have a question for you today. We're going to so, start off with a random question. Okay. I All mean, right? I, yeah, I know we we're going to dive into our kind of our wrap up of the church hurt thing and, and what that looks like, but well, yeah. yeah, do you want me to save my question for after? Should we lighten want, it up first? I feel like okay. it would be pretty entertaining if anything, because I want to know Let's lighten the mood. What cartoon character would you proudly wear on your underwear? <laughs> wow, I've never been asked that. Uh, you know, That's I figured something... that is not something I've ever asked. Yeah, either, so. you know, I've church camps and been on dates before and all that kind of stuff. No one ever asked me that. I mean, it's, were you ever it's asked random. that on a first date or nope, on? No, sure wasn't. Sure wasn't. Cartoon character you'd proudly sport on your underwear. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to go all the way back to the 80s and say Thundercats. Oh. That was my favorite. <laughs> that was my favorite cartoon. I still have a t-shirt with a big red cat on the front. Uh -huh. and You do. Yeah. I even tried to watch it on Hulu um, probably last year. Even during COVID, I remember uh, when we were at home a lot, I decided, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this again. <laughs> I haven't seen this cartoon since I was a kid. And it was very... Um, cheesy. I mean, it, it wasn't... I don't want to say it was cheesy because it was... <laughs> It was good graphics. It was, you know, good animation for the time. And the storylines were pretty good. And it was good. It was good. And it was very uh, nostalgic. I keep saying that word nostalgic. But it just really was. It's like, I mean, I can remember coming home after school. Um, a lot of times, Danielle and I, my sister, we, we would, our great-grandma would watch us. And we, i just sit down in front of the TV. And it had, of course, where we were at, we had four channels. You know, uh, NBC, CBS, I guess Fox at the time and ABC. Is that right? All the primetime sure. channels. That's all we had. <laughs> and I would turn it on after school and Thundercats was on. And it was cool. lion and the Sword of Omens and mm -hmm. yeah, Chitara and Panthera and Tigra and Snarf. Yeah, good stuff. So I would proudly okay. sport Thundercats on my chones for sure. There you go. What about you? The Smurfs. Smurfs. Definitely the Smurfs. Yep. 
I just remember watching that growing up, <laughs> watching the Smurfs nonstop with my sister. So with Amy and I, that was like yeah. a go-to for us. I mean, the Smurfs or the Care Bears or, you know, Rainbow Bright. Those were all kinds of things. I, my, my sister actually dressed up as Rainbow Bright oh, for yeah. Halloween. My I dressed up as awesome. a Smurf, remember that? <laughs> oh, Lord. I almost feel like, you know, down below, maybe I'll post that picture. Not in the comments, no. It'll be not. terrifying. That's back when Matt had the body to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> Back in college, I did paint your I would, whole, Matt would be Tubby. All of you. Matt put, would be Tubby Smurf today. <laughs> yeah. Papa, Tubby Papa Smurf today, for sure. <laughs> all right. So let's just move on past that. There you go. Awkward. Let's transition. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. How do you walk out of that one? <laughs> from underwear to uh, church hurt. Because it, I, I don't know. I guess it stinks. I can't, I can't. Is that a good? I can't. Is that a good comparison? Just like dirty underwear, it can stink. Is that does that work? I, no. Okay. Let's just move on. <laughs> Trying to be a little little uh, poetic here. All right. Anyways, so, we'll get so last week we tied up, uh, or what it looked like with us retrusting church, um, because when we've been hurt by church, we've been hurt by people uh, that we tend to carry that place to place, church to church, uh, relationship to relationship as well. Leadership to leadership as well. So how does that, um, again, how does that play out? Uh, kind of what we want to talk about today. As we wrap up this idea of church hurt, and what church hurt and what it looks like, I think first and foremost, we kind of have to have a solid grasp. When we say church, a lot of times our minds, and I think as um, human beings, but also us in the Western church and uh, as Americans, our idea of church is what? It's the four walls, right? Definitely. It's the lights, it's the stage, it's, it's the, the worship, steeple. it's the, the steeple. Church, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Open it up, look at all the people. Gotcha. <laughs> That's our idea of church. Our church, a lot of times in, in the human mind, especially to in in the 21st century today, again, is, is what it looks like inside the four walls. Mm -hmm. And again, with all the components that make that up, the music, the the... The, the sermon, um, the outreach, the Sunday school, the classes, the youth, um, all the things that are part of a church today. Um, we first and foremost, I think as human beings, as Christians, as Christ followers, when we say, I want to be a Christ follower, then we have to truly understand, I believe, what the church is. So where do you think that most common misconception comes in with people? And what and how? Where do I think it comes from? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the church has always been an institution of a building. That's what people have always understood church as. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the misconception comes from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of the church being, you know, this actual building, those stained glass windows, the steeple, like all of those things. As you look at the progression of church over time, I mean, you didn't have... Hundreds of years ago, church wasn't a warehouse. It wasn't, you know, you have that image of a church that even comes on, you know, postcards and it comes on, you know, those kind of things. So I think when the misconception of what the church is comes from really the Western culture of yeah. here's this, you know, brick building with a big white steeple with a cross yeah. on top and that's church. And I, I think that that's where we have really gone astray. 
gone astray. Like sheep, we have gone astray. That's good. That's a good example. No. Thanks. <laughs> I commend you on your poetic, on your poetic justice there. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys, we're a little awkward today for sure. I just don't want to. <laughs> Are we going to have to edit this part out? I maybe? think we just need to start over. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. Promise. Anyways, uh, we'll edit it out. We'll, we'll play with it. But no, I, 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 when I, when I look at church, you know, I've grown up in church my whole life. I, I know you were more of a teenager when well, no, you decided I, to. Yeah, we went to church when I, I was little. Yeah, but when you made the commitment, when you started getting involved yes. and, and jumping when in, when church really became important to yeah, my. Yeah, see, world. church was my like my whole life. It was my my mom's, my parent, my grandparents. It was just it was a legacy for us. You know, we. Uh, we grew up in church. My mom was a piano player. Dad was a bass player. My grandparents were led music. I remember them picking three hymns, you know, for a penny. And when I say hymns, I mean Pentecostal hymns were a little different than most. <laughs> well, uh, they lasted at least, you know, yeah, 12 minutes apiece. Than most uh, <laughs> traditional hymns, for sure. Uh, but um, so it was just ingrained in me to, to think church was this place I went every Sunday. And it was a place I went on Wednesday nights when I got old enough to be to be able to go to youth as a teenager and revivals and um, Friday night events and all this kind of stuff. Anytime the church doors were open, we'd be there. I'd be there and my sister as well. So I think a long time after that, I had to really get a healthy understanding that it's so much bigger and broader mm -hmm. than my human understanding mm -hmm. of what you know my church growing up, New Hope Temple looked like all the way to First Assembly of God across town or Calvary Temple uh, across town as well or First Baptist Church in Taft, all these different churches I, we knew of, uh, it was so much bigger than that. Um, because when we said church, um, and, and as I started again, as I started to get older and I started to grasp the understanding of that was that all those churches, as, as, as all the different names we had for our buildings and different names we had for our congregations, we were all part of one body. You know, and, that, and that's where uh, that whole new understanding for me had to come in. And that um, even as I got into college and even to, as my mind just started to, you know, get bigger with all this great knowledge and stuff and everything as I got older was that, you know, all of us that say we are we are part of the church, you know, a church meant we were in we are part of New Hope Temple. We are part of New Life Center. We are part of these churches that we grew up in. But when we said I'm part of the church, it changed mm -hmm. that. Yeah. The, the, the church was uh, the body of believers. Everyone who says, I'm a Christ follower. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be like Jesus. We all became part of a giant family, the church, which was worldwide and not inside the four walls, not inside this, um, the, the brick and mortar of a, of a church, but it was just a, a giant family is what I, I came to understand it. And what I still believe today is that we are all part of the family of God. Mm -hmm. So I think, how that relates to church hurt a lot of times today too is how sometimes we 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 we're so quick to write off a church because we're upset we're mad i don't like i don't want to be a part of it anymore i don't want to be a part of the church anymore and not realizing that that's one little tiny speck in the whole family in the whole universal church of jesus christ mm -hmm. uh, of god and so um yeah so Tying that into the idea of, of moving on from church hurts and what that looks like, that's a healthy understanding, I believe. 
I think for any of us that said, you know, last week we talked about all these different ways we can heal and we can start retrusting the church. Um, that's one thing I, I don't think we even talked about, but something that we, we all do need to properly understand is that the church isn't the walls. The church isn't uh, the music. The church isn't the stage. It's not the lights. It's not the seats, the AC, the floor, the parking lot, all that stuff. The church is that amazing family in Africa. It's that amazing family in Australia, the amazing family in China, the ones hiding out in buildings, um, you know, just trying to read a Bible together because the fear of death. I mean, that's, that is the church mm -hmm. and that is who we are. That's who we became when we said, I want to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think so often we, quickly associate the church with a building down the street and that is um either a it leaves you know a good feeling in our in our minds or b it's the worst feeling and we immediately connect the church on that spectrum and it's caused so much hurt and pain in general when you hear about something horrific that's happened in a church um, on you know social media or on the news or any of those things, you immediately connect that to all churches are bad. If yeah. the, that church did that, therefore all churches are bad. And I think that is something that's really, uh, that we need to just wrap our heads around is the fact that the church is not the four walls. The church is a body of believers who say, hey, I believe in Jesus. And that is the church. And so when we look at that, like I could think back, I remember when I was in high school and I was going to Calvary Chapel Downey. So we're refugees of California. I know we've mentioned that before, but Ew. back in California, uh, when <laughs> I was at Calvary Chapel Downey. And I remember we did um, this group date night, which at first I kind of was like, this is super strange. I'm not really sure what we're doing with this. And we had a couple other Calvaries that joined us together and we went to Santa Monica Beach. Shout out to the beach. I'd rather be in the beach of the mountains. I know you're opposite of me. But so we all went to the beach and we did a time of worship. And I just remember this being a really like at first I thought this was really strange. Like, why are we meeting up with people we don't even know? This is super just out of, you know a comfort zone on that end. But on the flip side of it, it also was this amazing time that we got to have church on the beach, you know, and we just had a time of worship and it was all different people coming together from different churches. And we just sat there and worshiped and praised together and got to, you know, meet people we hadn't, you know, known before. And it was just such a special time. And I just remember that being so powerful and so fun. Mm. So I think that we, you know, we got outside of our four walls yeah. of, you know, our building and we, we stepped away from that and all of these other churches did the same thing and we all came together and it was just a really neat time. And so I think that that's where real healing comes is when we realize that the four walls that we have so easily painted as the church, when we break that down and realize that that has nothing to do with it, we can see the beauty in those relationships and in the purpose behind the church and the, the entire intention of why going to church is important. And that's where we, you know, we get those relationships and we get that growth and we get to have, you know, we find joy in the church instead of hurt. Yeah. 
And I think it's us realizing that so often over time we have heightened the local church over the universal church, you know, local church, the building over the church, the church of, of who we are as a, as a, as a family of God, as people who across the world, uh, across the nation, North, South, East, West, who all say we are, we are, we are Christ followers. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's a, that's a healthy understanding in, in, in healing from church hurt is, is a true understanding that the local church doesn't define who we are as Christians. It is the church. Absolutely. It is the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ that is, that has no boundaries, that has no borders, that has no anything. It is, it is our families in Africa. Like I said a moment ago, Australia, Asia, everywhere. If anybody lives in Antarctica, them too, right? <laughs> really cold, but, but same kind of process there as well. And I think too, what's scary today too, and again, cause growing up, we are in our, you know, we're in our forties. We're not going to say how far or, you know, that we are in our forties. Well, you are older than me. So I am. It's, it's all good. But also too, the representation of, of, of God in Christ. And I know we didn't talk about this earlier. Um, the representation of who God is and who Jesus is can often be tainted as well in that whole process because 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, nobody knew what anybody else thought, right? We didn't know. We didn't know what everyone else was thinking and there weren't a million people posting their thoughts and their, um, their translations of scripture and their interpretations of what the Bible really real, is really talking about and what these different scriptures talking about. And so suddenly, you know, now we live in a world where we know everybody's opinion. We know everybody's thoughts <laughs> because of Twitter, you know, um, Facebook. Facebook, Instagram. Sorry, a little, little brain fart there. Um, all these different social media platforms. We know everybody's thoughts. And so, of course, that misrepresentation starts to happen. Um, across the board as well. And I think that's an also that's also probably a big cause of church hurt too, mm -hmm. is that when we start listening to people, um, again, and their translations and their interpretations on TikTok or whatever, and suddenly um, it gives us a twisted idea of who God is and who Jesus Christ is. And so, again, those are some of those things that sometimes we end up finding causes the church hurts. And... Yeah, I agree. And I, I was looking up on my phone here just because I knew David Platt had made a statement that would be very, very relevant to this. So David Platt, if you aren't familiar, wrote a book called Radical, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. It's it's a hard book to read. Yeah. If you if you are looking for something that will challenge you beyond <laughs> what you could think or imagine, take some time and read Radical by David Platt. Now, in it, he says, I could not help but think that somewhere along the way, we had missed what was radical about our faith and replaced it with what was comfortable. And I think that that's what has happened. As you mentioned, like the social media side, as yeah. you mentioned what we've heard, we've taken what was amazing and radical about the church, what the intention was with the church, what God had ordained the church to be. And we have stepped so far away from that and turned it into something comfortable. Yeah. And not to say that it's not nice to walk into church and have a cup of coffee because Lord knows that it is great yeah, to walk yeah. in and have a cup of coffee, especially on some, some, some mornings where you might need three or four cups. But we've taken what the intention of the church was 
and we've turned it into something comfortable and lost the, the entire meaning behind it. And so I think as you were saying that, you know, with, yes, everybody sharing their opinions, uh, sharing their thoughts and their feelings and what they think church should be, we've stepped so far away from what the church is. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's almost, I mean, church, a lot of times to me, from what I grew up in to where it is now, churches sometimes can appear to look like a business, like a corporation. Without question. And that's Mm -hmm. scary, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have all these different structures of hierarchy and all the things that come along with that. So um, that causes a lot of hurt too. And I know it causes a lot of hurt in leadership. It causes a lot of hurt uh, within people who are serving, um, all the volunteers who are serving as well, because uh, we, we have this big machine we have to run every Sunday. We have this big production we have to run every Sunday. And if it goes wrong, somebody's gonna get mad, somebody's gonna yell, mm-hmm. somebody's gonna, gonna get angry, and people are gonna get hurt, and I hate that. I, I just, uh, as a human being, one, but more more than anything, as a Christian, someone who, who's struggling every day just to just to be a better Christ follower, I hate that. I hate that that uh, those are the things that cause people to turn away. That the church, um, the, the local church, I should say, that that representation of the of the the grand church in 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 general is what's pushing people away from the the church. Mm-hmm. You know, because because it's turned into such a machine anymore at this point, instead of just something that um, is all about healing, that's all about grace, it's all about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. out to people who haven't heard. Mm-hmm. And so in, along the lines of that process, people are getting hurt. Absolutely. And I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, and we've replaced the radical with the, uh, you know, all of the things that cause confusion too. I think when we bring other people's opinions into how a church should run, we lose sight of what God has ordained it to be. And then therefore we also cause confusion. So we, we bring in hurt and we bring in confusion and it makes it real easy to walk away very easy to walk away when you are seeing either people you love be hurt by the church when you are seeing things that just don't line up with scripture when you are seeing things you're trying to there's this huge production when um and it becomes where it's hurtful and it's chaotic and you're seeing these things instead of just realizing the simplicity of what the church was designed to be causes hurt and confusion it's happened in our life. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have three weeks straight of, of what church hurt can look like and how it can play out into leadership, mm-hmm. into people who are in leadership, who have been anywhere from youth pastors to music pastors to senior pastors to um, all kinds of um, volunteers. Yeah, change. everything in between. There, 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 there's so much for sure. And that, that hurt falls on everybody. Absolutely. It easily falls on everybody, and I hate to see it. I, I, I literally loathe uh, seeing the way church hurts people today because yeah. it shouldn't be that place. Church is a place of hope. Church is a place of refuge. It's a place of, of, of finding out who God's created you to be. It's discovering your gifts. It's, it's finding healing in your marriage, finding healing in your, in, in your kids. It's finding healing in your addictions, in your mm-hmm. struggles, all these different things. And man, when we break that, when, when we miss that mark, that's, that just breaks my heart. And as much as it breaks mine, we, we literally can't grasp 
how much it's got to be breaking the heart of God when God said, this is how I want it to look like. I've written it in my word. I've written it in the Bible. I told Paul all about it. He wrote it down. It's right here. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be this great thing, but we've strayed so far. And I think that just breaks God's heart, to be, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we end up with this byproduct of church hurt, of uh, people getting hurt because it, it, the, the church, the, the place they came to for the hope, the place they came to for the, uh, to, to discover their gifts, to, to serve people, uh, suddenly is not what it was ever supposed to be. And so, yeah, so that was not on script today, which we don't have script, but we, you know, we, we, before we start talking about our shows, we're like, what do you want to talk about today? Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, cool. Here we go. We push start and boom. But this is one thing. It I, is very, very much not scripted. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the one of the best parts I, I love about this show is that um, we, we're not tied to a script. We're not tied to a, a map of everything we have to talk about. Yeah. And so sometimes we can talk about the things that make us emotional. Mm -hmm. And as you can tell, this is one thing for me as a pastor, and I know for my wife as well, uh, who's been by my side you know, the, the entire time of my ministry, um, these are the things that break our hearts. These are the things we we struggle with, and we don't and, and that we don't believe the church was ever created to be. Yeah, and we'd love to see it just you know, be what it was created to be, and and doing what it was supposed to do. So, anyways, um, so let's move on. I know we we had a few things we did want to talk about um, when in wrapping up this whole three week idea on church hurt and what it looks like. So. As we wrap it up this week, again, we talked about retrusting last week. Again, today we're kind of hitting on a few other ideas and a few other thoughts that we've had since last week. But one thing we didn't talk about last week was ownership of the hurt. Mm -hmm. Because first and foremost, I think when we are hurt by a church, part of that process in moving forward, and I'm not saying about trusting the church I'm saying about us moving forward as Christ followers, us deciding, I still want to be this. I still want to do this. I still want to be a Christ follower is us owning who we are. It's us owning our mistakes, us owning everything that uh, the, the mistakes that we might have made uh, that got us to that place where we, we ended up being hurt or something like that. So um, what does that look like to you? I mean, when when I would say to you, like, you know, We've been hurt so many times by churches. We've been hurt in different ways by different churches. But how to how do we how does it look like to you when I say maybe you need to own a little something in you? What is it in you that has might have caused this or that might have led us to take the steps to a place where where we are being hurt? All right. <laughs> tough on the spot question i know you like to ask me these I do. really intense questions that's right that's what's real and honest you don't get a chance to <laughs> to research it and pull in all different no, and articles if you're watching and, the video you videos. saw my face in that way that's I'm right like, Ooh, we're, okay yeah so, I, want, I want your real honest I raw think, answer here um it it is one of the harder things is owning your mistakes um and i think that as you sit back and you know when you're in the middle of something it obviously would be harder to to possibly look on the outside and see you know man i really screwed up here i really made a mistake and i think that through that you have to you have to be willing to look inside and i've had to do that countless times 
Um, and I've had to do that through counseling even. And to just pause for a minute and look inside and what is inside of me that has caused me to feel the way that I feel or what has caused this you know, hurt to happen. And I think that that's one of the hardest things that we have to do. When we are hurt by the church, one of the hardest things that we have to do is to stop for a minute and look inside. We have to be willing to look inside and look at our own heart and look at our own actions. And if we are not willing to do that, we will not move forward. Not in a healthy manner in any way, shape, or form. I had to acknowledge some of the things that, you know, had caused some church hurt. Some of the things I had said. Some of the ways I had acted. And I had to acknowledge some of those things. Because it did make a very big difference in moving forward. It's not fun. Oh, no. Heck no. (laughs) I, I think because as human beings, you know, that biblical word, the flesh... A lot of the times it's like, I'm the victim. I'm the one who was hurt here. I'm the victim. They hurt me. So this is on them and they need to decide how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I'm out. I'm, I'm gone. And <clears throat> I've, I've carried that victim mentality from place to place as well. And I think that's one thing as we're discussing this too is, is one thing we have to own and one thing we have to look in the mirror and check our hearts on is are we running place to place with a victim mentality? Because the victim mentality, like we talked about last week, brings us into the newest place, the newest church with our guard up, Mm -hmm. right? So we're we're bringing all that hurt. We're waiting for it. We're waiting for the moment when that guy, that deacon, that elder, that pastor, that somebody is going to get in our face and hurt us. We're just putting it out there. We're waiting for it to happen. And so we're just looking for that chance to fight or we're looking for that opportunity to say, I don't like this church either. I'm out of here. Let's find somewhere else. These people. And, and I, I'm trying to sensitively say this enough that I've seen it happen in my family, not you and I, but just uh, in, as my parents, my, you know, my, my stepdad, my parents that have been involved in ministry for a long time, when, when those church hurts have happened, I know it's been carried church to church, that victim mentality, like, well, I got hurt, and so I'm out of here, and, and I'm taking it to the newest place, I'm taking it to the next church here, mm-hmm. and as soon as anybody says one little thing, eh, it's just going to spark a fire. Mm-hmm. And so that's something for me that I know I, I've also had to really take a look at myself in the mirror and, and examine for sure. Um, also, too, and... I hit a little bit of this last week was that, um, again, I don't, I don't say no often. I don't say no when I should say no. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're, if we're not careful, um, that is one of the biggest church, uh, church hurts that I see happen in the world today is when people aren't saying no. And so they're trying to please everybody. They're trying to do everything everybody wants them to do and needs them to do. And then suddenly they're burned out. They're tired. They're physically exhausted and they don't want to be part of a church anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not just my struggle, though. That's something we both have easily struggled with what? in no. our time in ministry, for sure, is, is, Never. is saying no. I mean, it, I don't think when, I, when I'm sitting here examining and checking my heart uh, like I should be, that's one thing that always pops out to me is like, I just I don't say no. So I get so beaten down. I don't I see these great opportunities or I see this chance to impress people or I see this chance to show everybody that I'm reliable, that I can do anything inside the church walls. 
And suddenly mm -hmm. I'm doing everything inside the church walls and I hate everybody. I hate everything. I hate breathing. I hate my car. I hate everything as I'm driving home that night because I'm just tired. I'm exhausted and I don't want to do things anymore because I allow myself to just be taken over by, uh, by not saying no, by not releasing things to other people also to allow them to the blessing of serving in the church as well too. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been a major struggle for me. So in that time period where you have had trouble saying no, then what would you say you've learned? What tools do you have in your back pocket to prevent you from doing that? Um, I carry a really large knife. <laughs> That's a good tool to carry. Um, no. no um, a Smith & Wesson. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't really, I don't foresee it so much as tools other than just an acknowledgement and a realization of how much we as human beings want to please others. And for me, I've been a people pleaser. And I think that's caused, that's caused a lot of hurt in me because again, I didn't want people to think I was unreliable or lazy or whatever it was. I wanted people to think, you know, he's the first one here and everything and the last one to leave. And so... Um, when you, when you say tools, I don't, you know, for me personally, um, it's never really been about the tools. It's been just about acknowledging my weakness. And I think for a lot of people that might be what it is, is that we sometimes just need to, need to really acknowledge our weaknesses and our weaknesses may be that we don't say no. Our weaknesses may be that we get triggered by confrontation. Our weaknesses may be that, um, we like to be in charge, you know? I like to be the one telling everybody what to do because I feel like I'm empowered. So we, we might have all these weaknesses about us as, as human beings that sometimes trigger that church hurt that happens. And I mean, I've been on worship teams. I've been on men's teams. I've been on all kinds of teams growing up, youth teams and all different leaderships, staff leaderships at churches. And I've seen everyone from the super humble, like, yeah, whatever you need, however I can help you do that. Let me know. I'll, I'll be there for you all, all the way to the other side where it's like, don't cross her or him because they like to fight. They like, they, they like, they like confrontation. They love to argue. So there's that. And I, and that's, that's a, a different mentality too. So you have to acknowledge your weakness. You have to acknowledge that my weakness sometimes might be the thing that's, that's helping me put up that wall um, when I'm serving in a church, my weakness of not saying no, my weakness of avoiding confrontation, my, uh, my weakness of, um, I don't like being told what to do. So that's my toolbox. Maybe there yeah. you go. my okay. toolbox of weakness, acknowledging <laughs> yeah. well, my craftsman. Yeah. There you go. Glad you have one. What about you? What's your toolbox? What is your tools for? You know, I think that one of the things that I've had to learn that's really probably the hardest thing for me to be consistent with is submission um, and understanding that, number one, I need to be submissive to what God's called me to do. And 
that doesn't necessarily always look the way that I want it to look and that God's will is greater than my will. And so I think submission has had to be something that is a big thing for me, but it's not just that I'm submitting to what God's called me to do. I also have to submit to authority. And that is something that could be extremely challenging if you're having to submit to an authority that you don't agree with or that you struggle um, respecting. And I've had to do that in you know different situations where trying to submit to a pastor who has um, been mean or hurtful or who I feel isn't being obedient to Christ, that's really hard to get past. And so I think you have to have the, the right mindset as well of not just submitting to God's will for your life, but also submitting to authority. And what does that look like? And so I think that's where you're, you know, for me, it's also where I have to spend some time in serious prayer of, okay, God, I want to be obedient to what you've called for my life, but I also need to submit to this. So you need to check my heart. And so I've had to do a lot of heart checks in um, all of our times of ministry. Physically uh, and spiritually. A lot of those. And I have to make sure, you know, and I, and I tell people all the time that, you know, I answer vertically, not horizontally. And the truth is that is the first, you know, line of, of answering is I need to answer to God. And am I being obedient to what he's called me to do? And then, then you do, there is a level of horizontal, um, sure. you know, authority that you need to fall under and that you need to, to get in line with. And so I think for me, it has been, in my toolbox, it's been more of just checking, check myself. Check before my, you wreck yourself. Check right? myself before I wreck myself. That 90s rap really, really played out for us. <laughs> <laughs> Still playing out for us. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> But um, I think that's been one of the biggest things. And I think the other thing is that concept of being like a duck and letting things roll off your back. And that is probably one of, it, on one hand, it could be the easiest thing we do. It's just like, fine, forget it. It is what it is. Let's move past it. But on the other hand, it's one of the harder things that we do too. And so trying to keep that mentality of just letting things roll off your back, I seem to have an easier time doing that with things than you do on one hand. And then there's the flip side of that where you're like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And so I think that that concept of, you know, letting things roll off your back, you need to have accountability in that. And so I think I have had to check myself. I've had to let things roll off my back and I've had to have accountability because I've had to have people also call me out and, you know, tell me like, you're way offline, you're way off yeah. base here. like get your heart right <laughs> because you're really messing up. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes I erect myself before I check myself. We'll just say that. For sure. <laughs> and um, we're back into the nineties. Hey, right? hey, you know what? That's, that's some good theology. Um, <laughs> now, as we kind of wrap this up today, um, one, one, one last point to me, that's, that's super well needed in this process and super necessary is the idea of guarding our hearts. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I think we got to be careful what that looks like, what guard your heart looks like, because there's two, there's probably two different definitions of that, of, of us putting up a wall and mm -hmm. us just being careful. Yeah. And I think I want to, I want us to really, as 
church leadership, as servants, as Christ followers, as everything that we are, I want us to take the side of just being careful, being cautious. Mm -hmm. I don't want to build a wall up in front of my heart. I don't want to build a wall in front of my family. Um, one, because I've done that. And again, that's, that's the harder thing to tear down. That's the harder thing. That's the one thing you bring from church to church. Whereas spiritually guarding our heart just says, man, let's, let's pray about this more. Let's pray more. Let's discern more. Let's talk about this more, uh, rather than just avoid or confront. Um, so, um, Guarding my heart, again, can't look like me just walking in and just waiting for the right moment, waiting for the moment somebody's going to wreck my life or wreck my family's life. Uh, because if we think about guarding our heart, I mean, it's a lot like guarding our marriage. Um, we have to look at being careful of the things that are going to come against our marriage that are going to tear us apart, whatever that may look like. You know, another person, pornography, alcohol, um, time busyness, all these different things, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> all these different things that could tear us apart as a husband and wife, we have to guard our hearts from. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of translates well into us stepping back into church or stepping back into ministry after we've been hurt saying, um, I really got to watch out for the things that are going to tear up my relationship with God first and foremost, that are going to tear up my desire, that are going to tear down my passion um, for what it is that God's gifted and called me to do. Um, and again, uh, as we talked about last week, the, the church that hurt me the most, um, that's the one thing I, I didn't do. I didn't guard my heart against the, against how it was tearing down my passion each and every week for what I love doing and for what I was called to do and for what I was gifted to do. I allowed a pastor just to continually to tear me down and break me down constantly so much that it destroyed my passion. I wasn't guarding my heart in a sense saying, you know, or, or, or even standing up probably at times as well, being a little more verbal about, you know, what was being said to me as well. But um, again, it's just the idea of I need to, I need to be sure I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding my gifts. I'm guarding my passions from the things that are going to tear me away from what I'm supposed to be doing, from how I'm supposed to be serving, from, from how I'm supposed to be using my gifts, how I'm supposed to be using my calling to serve God. Yeah. Well, and I think as a woman, guarding your heart is probably one of the hardest things that we can possibly do because we don't want to come off as cold or distant. And um, so, you know, you, you tend to just, we jump in with, with our heart more than mm -hmm. um, anything. And it's really hard to guard your heart in a manner that still allows you to be open and receptive and generous and obedient to what God's called. And that's one of the hardest things that I feel I've had to do in ministry as I've had to try to protect my heart it is to separate the truth from a lie and to be able to still, regardless of the fear of what may or may not happen, is also being willing to say, does this line up with what God's called for my life? And if this lines up with what God has called for my life, then I will step into it. And that's where I think guarding our heart also means that we are trusting God to protect us. Yeah. 
and that's where I've had to walk into some extremely difficult situations where it's the last thing I want to do because I know it's going to go poorly and I've had to go in with the mindset of let me be obedient to what God's called me to do. Let me stand on his principles, stand on his word, stand on his truths and allow that to lead and guide me and be my words and be my actions instead of, you know, screaming and yelling and losing my cool, which, you know, never happens ever, never I'm so, so not in that world, no, but it's really, really hard. And as a woman who has, you know, one of the things I've had to learn in over 20 plus years of ministry, 25 plus years of ministry is not just guarding my heart, but taming my tongue. Because when you are guarding your heart, it, you can quickly spout off in another way instead. And so you have to stop and you also have to think about what you're saying and what you're doing. And that's all part of guarding your heart. And so I think guarding your heart goes hand in hand with taming your tongue. <laughs> it kind of, you have to have both. Yeah. And when you have both and your number one focus is just being obedient to Christ, um, it, it's a lot smoother. It's a lot smoother of a process. Yeah. It's still it's still challenging, but it's sure. a smoother process. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I can't just wrap it up any better for me than saying just man, treat treat your calling like you would your marriage. Yeah. If you think about it, I mean, you, you'll you'd fight for your marriage. Uh, I hope you would, and you'd do everything to protect your marriage. You'd do everything to protect yourself from ruining your marriage. You'd do everything to protect your spouse from ruining your marriage. So it's a lot like our ministries as well. We need to do all that we can to protect ourselves from allowing that calling to be ripped out of our lives through church hurt. Uh, so that's the best way I can just wrap it up today and this whole couple of weeks of, of what church hurt looks like and how we heal from it, how we move forward. We, we are not experts. <laughs> no. I know you think I am at everything. Okay, um, we'll go with that. You better check yourself but, before you yeah, wreck yourself. Just, you, before you wreck me. <laughs> Um, no, we are, we are so far, so much not experts on everything. We are, you know, I, I think the, the passion behind our, again, as we've said week after week, the passion behind our podcast here is just to share with you how we've gotten through situations, how God's brought us through church hurts and family issues and, and a lot of pain that's come along the way in life. And so, uh, that's why we're just, again, we're unraveling, uh, what church hurt looks like. And we're trying to unravel the best possible way we can move forward as, as Christians and as husbands and wives and as parents and as, as human beings um, to get past that hurt, to, to get mm-hmm. past that hurt and move forward and continue to be who God's called and created us to be. So, yeah, so we hope that uh, we hope that these last you know, couple weeks, these three weeks have been a huge encouragement for you. If you are struggling with going back to church, if you've been hurt, and you're just taking a break. Or if you, even if you just walked away completely and said you didn't want anything to do with it anymore, I hope this is an encouragement for you that, number one, and, and God's love for us is so amazing. Yeah. And that is what the true church is, is just being like Jesus. It is We have this beautiful example of who Jesus was that was put there right for us in God's word. And that's really what, that's really what it's all about. That's what we try. We got to try to be is just like Jesus and 
keep that journey going day after day, one step in front of the other, one foot forward each and every day. And that's, that's where we'll find the victory. Uh, whether we step back in the four walls of a church again, but that number one, that we just don't walk away from the church, that we don't walk away from the family of God. Uh, the idea that we are all part of one huge giant family and we're broken, we're messed up, we are addicts, we're failures, we've made mistakes, we're all struggling, we're all just, again, sometimes just trying to get one foot in front of the other, trying to make it one day to the next, but we are all part of one family and that's what that's what the church is all about. Yeah, and, and I think too, you know, let's get back to you know, as David Platt, like that radical side of the church, the exciting side of the church, what the church was intended to be is if we get that as our focus and that's what we are striving for and that's what we're trying to create when we get together inside of the four walls and our focus is being, you know, consistent and in line with the word of God, what a different place the church would be. If we step away from the comfortable, when we begin to get uncomfortable... (laughs) Because we're getting into what it was designed to be, to really help the hurting, to really love the broken, and to truly impact people for Jesus. That's where we're going to see change. And that's where those four walls fall down and and it becomes a place you want to be and not a place that you're terrified of being. That's right. So let's get radical. Let's do it. Let's get radical. (laughs) Back in the 90s. (laughs) Back in the 90s, taking it back to the <laughs> 90s. Well, Unraveled with Matt and Lisa, thank you guys again for joining us this week, week number seven. We love you guys so much, and it is our joy to walk this journey of life with you. So thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for uh, putting your arms around us and helping us make it through life. And that's our goal, yeah. too, is to do the same back to you. So you guys have an awesome, awesome week, and uh, we will see you back here next week for week eight. Take care. We'll talk to you guys soon. God bless. Bye.